Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Friday, November 20th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. The reality of COVID long haulers. Plus, saving our oceans with marine sanctuaries. First, though, Joe Biden speaking out about the transition is today's one big thing. Joe Biden was declared the winner of the presidential election 13 days ago. But President Trump has yet to concede and his administration has not taken any steps to prepare for a transition of power. In a news conference yesterday, President-elect Biden made very clear what he thinks about this lack of transition. Margaret Taleb is the White House and politics editor for Axios. Margaret, Joe Biden was asked directly, why don't you sue? Why hasn't he? You know, one of the reasons we haven't seen litigation yet is because that will then tie it up in the courts and he just wants to get this thing moving. But I think there are a couple other issues at hand from a governing perspective. His team's getting impatient. This thing needs to begin. But on the other hand, once it begins, how much faith can they have in the process that President Trump and his team are going to play nice, that they are going to share information, that they're not going to muck everything up? Well, okay. here's what President-elect Biden said yesterday in a press conference when he was asked about what he thought about how President Trump is handling all of this. It's hard to fathom how this man thinks. I'm confident he knows he hasn't won and is not going to be able to win. And we're going to be sworn in on January 20th. Far from me to question his motive. It's just it's just outrageous what he's doing. He made pretty clear that whatever President Trump's motivations may be that he thinks that it's incredibly corrosive for democracy and the functioning of our government. Margaret Talib is Axios White House and politics editor. We'll be back in 15 seconds with more on how some COVID patients are struggling months after getting sick. Welcome back to Axios Today. The White House Coronavirus Task Force briefed reporters yesterday for the first time since July, saying a vaccine is likely months away. But that comes as the death toll in America surpassed 250,000 people this week. Health professionals are being pushed to their limits, trying to treat and save patients. And it's becoming more obvious than ever that once some patients recover, it's not actually the end of the line. That's because about one out of 10 coronavirus patients have what doctors are calling long COVID. Many of these patients have given themselves the nickname long haulers. I have a pretty significant, ugly seal barking, just nasty sounding cough. <coughs> Anna Kate Howell is one of those long haulers. Before I got sick, I was very, very healthy. But after the worst of COVID, she never fully got better. It's been months now. And there doesn't seem to be a pattern for who continues to suffer from symptoms that just won't go away. That's part of the reason why Dr. Nicholas Kenyon, a pulmonologist at UC Davis in California, helped launch the university's first post-COVID clinic. And he's with us now. Dr. Kenyon, I wonder if I can ask you, I feel like the first logical question most doctors or people in medicine would ask is, what are the symptoms? Is that even clear at this point? Yeah, we call it a syndrome rather than a disease because there is a variety of symptoms that people have and it can manifest in several ways. Um, Patients may have a lot of respiratory symptoms, persistent cough or persistent shortness of breath or people talk to as brain fog or certainly weakness, fatigue, and even some neurological symptoms that are fairly specific as well. 
for Anna Kate, it's been eight months since she was diagnosed with the coronavirus, and she still has some serious lingering symptoms. I have a hard time with my lungs. I have breathing attacks. I carry an inhaler. That helps somewhat. Dr. Kenyon, for people like her, do you have any sense yet of why this is happening? Generally, we believe it's sort of ongoing inflammation that's never really resolved after the initial virus. And we have some evidence of this on the original SARS virus back in Toronto and Hong Kong and elsewhere. So there were patients who had similar symptoms for a long period of time after that. So it's not completely unexpected that this is happening, but you're right. We, we don't have all the answers and we need to do quite a lot of work to try and figure it out. The young woman that we spoke with talked about her physical symptoms, but also the emotional stress of going through this. I actually suffer with some degree of survivor's guilt myself, but there's also another group of people that isn't being talked about, and that's those of us who live with long-term or permanent disability. The idea that it's a syndrome, I imagine, is maybe alarming for some people because that kind of has a connotation that it might not ever go away. You're right. The neuropsychiatric symptoms have been really devastating for people. And people who have had it, they don't feel like they're immune. They're worried about getting it again. And so that has a significant toll. And and we do expect that psychiatrists and neurologists are going to have to be part of the team to help us manage these patients. What else do you want people to know about this, Dr. Kenyon? Well, I want people to know that symptoms can last a year or so. But we want to be optimistic that patients can get better. Dr. Nicholas Kenyon is a pulmonologist at UC Davis in California and helped launch, as we've been talking about, this post-COVID clinic. Dr. Kenyon, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. I appreciate it. Take care. You take care, too. It's Friday, and it's been a long week. So I wanted to take you to a beautiful island getaway. The island itself is in a very powerful part of the planet. It's called Tristan de Cunha. And it's one of the most remote inhabited island chains in the world. And now there's an effort to preserve this beautiful place in the South Atlantic Ocean, along with the rest of the oceans on planet Earth. We're not going to have a sustainable planet unless we can protect at least 30 percent of it. That sounds like a lot when it comes to the ocean. But the good news is it shouldn't actually be that hard. Nearly a third of that is already protected by marine sanctuaries. Areas where the government has limited or banned human activities like fishing and diving. Because when you look at all of the stresses that are on the ocean, I guess the three main stresses are overfishing, pollution and climate change. When limiting that human activity, the ocean has the ability to quickly heal and repopulate decimated species of plants and animals. And that's what National Geographic is hoping to achieve with Tristan de Cunha, where they're helping create a new marine sanctuary that will be close to the size of Texas. It's part of a project to protect some of the last untouched places in the ocean. Paul Rose is the exhibition leader of that project. It's called Pristine Seas, and he's actually joining us from the UK. Hi, Paul. Thanks for being here with us. Hey, thanks very much. It's very good to be here with you. So Tristan sounds like such a fascinating place. Can you describe it for us? When we arrived, the biggest thing was getting in the sea. And you can't go wrong with understanding you know, that there's seven gill sharks and blue sharks and short fin mako sharks, fin whales, dolphins and elephant seals and albatrosses, as well as about 200,000 northern rock hopper penguins and over 300,000 sub-Antarctic fur seals. So it was absolutely fantastic. I wonder if you can explain to us why 
when we think about marine sanctuaries, why are they considered a silver bullet of sorts? Well, I guess they are a bit of a silver bullet, but we do need everything else. It's just that we can get a fast, almost immediate effect by protecting pristine places and stop extraction. The ocean is incredibly resilient. And once we give it a chance to heal, it comes back very quickly indeed. Paul Rose is a longtime presenter for the BBC and is an expedition leader for National Geographic's Pristine Seas. Thanks very much, Paul. Thanks, Great to join you. And thanks very much for the support. That's it for us. Axios Today is brought to you by Axios and Pushkin Industries. We're produced by Carol Wu, Naria Marquez-Martinez, Kara Schillen, and Naomi Shaven. Our mix engineer is Alex Sugiara. Dan Bobkoff is our executive producer. Sarah Kailani Gu is our executive editor. And special thanks to Axios co-founder Mike Allen. At Pushkin, our executive producers are Leetal Malad and Jacob Weisberg. You can write to us at podcasts at axios.com or find me on Twitter at Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and have a great weekend.